Act Three of The Conscious Lovers by Richard Steele. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act the Third. Scene: Sealand's House. Enter Tom, meeting Phyllis. Well, Phyllis, what? With a face as if you'd never seen me before. Aside. What a work of art to do now. She has seen some new visitant at the house whose air she has caught is resolved to practice them upon me. Numberless are the changes she'll dance through before she'll answer this plain question. Be delete it. Have you delivered my master's letter to your lady? Nay, I know her too well to ask an account of it in an ordinary way. I'll be in my airs as well as she. Well, madam, as unhappy as you are at present pleased to make me, I would not, in the general, be any other than what I am. I would not be a bit wiser, a bit richer, a bit taller, a bit shorter than I am at this instant. Looking steadfastly at her. Did ever anybody doubt, Master Thomas, but that you were extremely satisfied with your sweet self? I am indeed. The thing I have least reason to be satisfied with is my fortune, and I am glad of my poverty. Perhaps if I were rich, I should overlook the finest woman in the world that wants nothing but riches to be thought so. Phyllis, aside. How prettily that was said. But I'll have a great deal more before I say one word. I should perhaps have been stupidly above her had I not been her equal, and by not being her equal never had opportunity of being her slave. I am my master's servant for hire. I am my mistress's from choice, would she but approve my passion. I think it's the first time I ever heard you speak with any sense of anguish, if you really do suffer any. Ah, Phyllis, can you doubt after what you have seen? I know not what I have seen nor what I have heard. But since I am at leisure, you may tell me when you fell in love with me, how you fell in love with me, and what you have suffered, or are ready to suffer for me. Tom, aside. Oh, the unmerciful jade, and I am in haste about my master's letter, but I must go through it. Ah, so well I remember when and how and on what occasion I was first surprised. It was on the 1st of April, 1715, I came into Master Seelan's service. I was then a hobbledehoy, and you, a pretty little tight girl, a favourite handmaid of the housekeeper. At that time we neither of us knew what was in us. I remember I was ordered to get out of the window, one pair of stairs, to rub the sashes clean. The person employed on the inner side was your charming self, whom I had never seen before. <laughs> I think I remember the silly accident. What made ye, you oaf? ready to fall down into the street. You know not, I warrant you. You could not guess what surprised me. You took no delight when you immediately grew wanton in your conquest, and put your lips close and breathed upon the glass, and when my lips approached, a dirty cloth you rubbed against my face and hid your beauteous form. When I again drew near, you spit and rubbed and smiled at my undoing. What silly thoughts you men have! We were Pyramus and Thisbe, but ten times harder was my fate. Pyramus could peep only through a wall. I saw her, saw my Thisbe in all her beauty, but as much kept from her as if a hundred walls between, for there was more. It was her will against me. Would she but yet relent? Oh, Phyllis, oh, Phyllis, shorten my torment and declare you pity me. I believe it's very sufferable. The pain is not so exquisite, but that you may bear it a little longer. Oh, my charming Phyllis, if all depended on my fair one's will, I could with glory suffer. 
but dearest creature consider our miserable state how miserable we are miserable to be in love and under the command of others and those we love that generous passion in the heart to be sent to and fro on errands cold checked and rated for the meanest trifles oh phyllis you don't know how many china cups and glasses my passion for you has made me break you have broke my fortune as well as my heart well mr thomas i cannot but own to you that i believe your master writes and you speak the best of any men in the world never was a woman so pleased with a letter as my young lady was with his and this is the answer to it gives him a letter this was well done my dearest consider we must strike out some pretty livelihood for ourselves by closing their affairs it will be nothing for them to give us a little being of our own some small tenement out of their large possessions whatever they give us it will be more than what they keep for themselves one acre with phyllis would be worth a whole county without her oh could i but believe you if not the utterance believe the touch of my lips kisses her ah there's no contradicting you how closely you argue tom and will closer in due time but i must hasten with this letter to hasten towards the possession of you then phyllis consider how i must be revenged look to it of all your skittishness shy looks and at best but coy compliances oh tom you grow wanton and sensual as my lady calls it i must not endure it oh for you are a man an odious filthy male creature you should behave if you had a right sense over a man of sense like mr simberton with distance and indifference or let me see some other becoming hard word with seeming in in inadvertency and not rush on one as if you were seizing a prey but hush the ladies are coming good tom don't kiss me above once and be gone lad we have been fooling and toying and not considered the main business of our masters and mistresses why their business is to be fooling and toying as soon as the parchments are ready well remembered parchments my lady to my knowledge is preparing writings between her coxcomb cousin simberton and my mistress though my master has an eye to the parchments already prepared between your master mr bevel and my mistress and i believe my mistress herself has signed and sealed in her heart to mr myrtle did i not bid you to kiss me but once and be gone <laughs> but i know you won't be satisfied no you smooth creature how should i kissing her hand well since you are so humble or so cool as to ravish my hand only i'll take my leave of you like a great lady and you a man of quality they salute formally pox of all this state offers to kiss her more closely no prithee tom mind your business we must follow that interest which will take but endeavour at that which will be most for us and we like most oh here's my young mistress tom taps her neck behind and kisses his fingers go ye liquorish fool exit tom enter lucinda who was 
that you were hurrying away one that i had no mind to part with why did you turn him away then for your ladyship's service to carry your ladyship's letter to his master i could hardly get the rogue away why has he so little love for his master no but he hath so much love for his mistress but i thought i heard him kiss you why did you suffer that why madam we vulgar take it to be a sign of love we servants we poor people that have nothing but our persons to bestow or treat for are forced to deal and bargain by way of sample and therefore as we have no parchments or wax necessary in our agreements we squeeze with our hands and seal with our lips to ratify vows and promises but can't you trust one another without such earnest down we don't think it safe any more than you gentry to come together without deeds executed thou art a pert merry hussy <laughs> i wish madam that your lover and you were as happy as tom and your servant are you grow impertinent i have done madam and i won't ask you what you intend to do with mr myrtle what your father will do with mr bevel nor what you all especially my lady mean by admitting mr simberton as particularly here as if he were married to you already nay you are married actually as far as people of quality are how is that you have different beds in the same house pshaw i have a very great value for mr bevel but have absolutely put an end to his pretensions in the letter i gave you for him but my father in his heart still has a mind to him were it not for this woman they talk of and i am apt to imagine he is married to her or never designs to marry at all then mr myrtle he had my parents leave to apply to me and by that he has won me and my affections who is to have this body of mine without them it seems is nothing to me my mother says tis indecent for me to let my thoughts stray about the person of my husband nay she says a maid rigidly virtuous though she may have been where her lover was a thousand times should not have made observations enough to know him from another man when she sees him in a third place that is more than the severity of a nun for not to see when one may is hardly possible and not to see when one can't is very easy at this rate madam there are a great many who you have not seen who mamma says the first time you see your husband should be at the instant he is made so when your father with the help of the minister gives you to him then you are to see him then you are to observe and take notice of him because then you are to obey him but does not my lady remember you are to love as well as obey to love is a passion it is a desire and we must have no desires oh i cannot endure the reflection with what insensibility on my part with what more than patience have i been exposed and offered to some awkward booby or other in every county of great britain indeed madam i wonder i never heard you speak of it before with this indignation every corner of the land has presented me with a wealthy coxcomb as fast as one treaty has gone off another has come on till my name and person have been the tittle-tattle of the whole town what has this world come to no shame left to be bartered for like the beasts of the field and that in such an instance as coming together to an entire familiarity and union of soul and body oh and this without being so much as well-wishers to each other but for increase of fortune but madam all these vexations will end very soon in one for all mr simberton is your mother's kinsman and three hundred years an older gentleman than any lover you ever had 
for which reason with that of his prodigious large estate she is resolved on him and has sent to consult the lawyers accordingly nay has whether you know it or no been in treaty with sir geoffrey who to join in the settlement has accepted of a sum to do it and is every moment expected in town for that purpose how do you get all this intelligence by an art i have i thank my stars beyond all the waiting maids in great britain the art of listening madam for your lady's service i shall soon know as much as you do leave me leave me phyllis begone here here i'll turn you out my mother says i must not converse with my servants though i must converse with no one else except phyllis how unhappy are we who were born to great fortunes no one looks at us with indifference or acts towards us on the foot of plain dealing yet by all i have been heretofore offered to or treated for i have been used with the most agreeable of all abuses flattery but now by this phlegmatic fool i'm used as nothing or a mere thing he forsooth is too wise too learned to have any regard for desires and i know not what the learned oaf calls sentiments of love and passion here he comes with my mother it's much if he looks at me or if he does takes no more notice of me than of any other movable in the room enter mrs sealand and mr simberton how do i admire this noble this learned taste of yours and the worthy regard you have to our own ancient and honourable house in consulting a means to keep the blood as pure and as regularly descended as may be why really ma'am the young women of this age are treated with discourses of such a tendency and their imaginations so bewildered in flesh and blood that a man of reason can't talk to be understood they have no ideas of happiness but what are more gross than the gratification of hunger and thirst lucinda aside with how much reflection he is a coxcomb and in truth ma'am i have considered it a most brutal custom that persons of the first character in the world should go as ordinarily and with as little shame to bed as to dinner with one another they proceed to the propagation of the species as openly as to the preservation of the individual lucinda aside she that willingly goes to bed to thee must have no shame i'm sure oh cousin simberton cousin simberton how abstracted how refined is your sense of things but indeed it is too true there is nothing so ordinary as to say in the best governed families my master and lady have gone to bed one does not know but it might have been said of oneself hiding her face with her fan lysurgus ma'am instituted otherwise among the lacedaemons the whole female world was pregnant but none but the mothers themselves knew by whom their meetings were secret and the amorous congress always by stealth and no such professed doings between the sexes as are tolerated among us under the audacious word marriage oh had i lived in those days and been a matron of sparta one might with less indecency have had ten children according to that modest institution than one under the confusion of our modern barefaced manner 
Lucinda, aside. And yet, poor woman, she has gone through the whole ceremony, and here I stand a melancholy proof of it. We will talk then of business. That girl walking about the room there is to be your wife. She has, I confess, no ideas, no sentiments that speak her born of a thinking mother. I have observed her her lively look free air and disengaged countenance speak her very very what if you please ma'am to set her a little that way lucinda say nothing to him you are not a match for him when you are married you may speak to such a husband when you're spoken to but i am disposing of you above yourself every way ma'am you cannot but observe the inconveniences i expose myself to in hopes that your ladyship will be the consort of my better part as for the young woman she is rather an impediment than a help to a man of letters and speculation ma'am there is no reflection no philosophy can at all times subdue the sensitive life but the animal shall sometimes carry away the man ha i the vermilion of her lips pray don't talk of me thus the pretty enough pants of her bosom sir madam don't you hear him her forward chest intolerable high health the grave easy impudence of him proud heart stupid coxcomb i say madam her impatience while we are looking at her throws out all attractions her arms her neck what a spring in her step don't you run me over thus you strange unaccountable what an elasticity in her veins and arteries i have no veins no arteries oh child hear him he talks finely he's a scholar he knows what you have the speaking invitation of her shape the gathering of herself up and the indignation you see in the pretty little thing now i am considering her on this occasion but as one that is to be pregnant lucinda aside the familiar learned unseasonable puppy and pregnant undoubtedly she will be yearly i fear i shan't for many years have discretion enough to give her one fallow season monster there's no bearing it the hideous sot there's no enduring it to be thus surveyed like the steed at sale at sale she's very illiterate but she's very well limbed too turn her in i see what she is Ooh. exit lucinda in a rage go you creature i am ashamed of you no harm done you know ma'am the better sort of people as i observe to you treat by their lawyers of weddings adjusting himself at the glass and the woman in the bargain like the mansion house in the sale of the estate is thrown in and what that is whether good or bad is not at all considered i grant it 
and therefore make no demand for her youth and beauty and every other accomplishment as the common world think em because she's not polite ma'am i know your exalted understanding abstracted as it is from vulgar prejudices will not be offended when i declare to you i marry to have an heir to my estate and not to beget a colony or a plantation this young woman's beauty and constitution will demand provision for a tenth child at least mrs sealand aside with all that wit and learning how considerate what an economist sir i cannot make her any other than she is or say she is much better than the other young women of this age or fit for much besides being a mother but i have given directions for the marriage settlements and sir geoffrey simberton's counsel is to meet ours here at this hour concerning this joining in the deed which when executed makes you capable of settling what is due to lucinda's fortune herself as i told you i say nothing of no no indeed ma'am it is not usual and i must depend upon my own reflection and philosophy not to overstock my family i cannot help her cousin simberton but she is for aught i see as well as the daughter of anybody else that is very true ma'am enter a servant who whispers mrs sealand the lawyers are come and now we are to hear what they have resolved as to the point whether it's necessary that sir geoffrey should join in the settlement as being what they call in the remainder but good cousin you must have patience with them these lawyers i am told are of a different kind one is what they call a chamber counsel the other a pleader the conveyancer is slow from an imperfection in his speech and therefore shunned the bar but extremely passionate and impatient of contradiction the other is as warm as he but has a tongue so voluble and a head so conceited he will suffer nobody to speak but himself you mean old sergeant target and councillor bramble i have heard of em the same show in the gentleman exit servant re-enter servant introducing myrtle and tom disguised as bramble and target gentlemen this is the party concerned mr simberton and i hope you have considered of the matter yes madam we have agreed that it must be by indent dent 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 yes madame mr sergeant and myself have agreed as he is pleased to inform you that it must be an indenture tripartite and tripartite let it be for sir geoffrey must needs be a party old simberton in the year sixteen nineteen says in that the ancient roll in mr sergeant's hands as recourse thereto being had will more at large appear yes and by the deeds of your hands it appears that mr sergeant i beg of you to make no inferences upon what is in our custody but speak to the titles in your own deeds i shall not show that deed till my client is in town you know best your own methods the single question is whether the entail is such that my cousin sir geoffrey is necessary in this affair 
Yes, as to the lordship of Tretriplet, but not as to the messwidge of Grimgribber. I say that's good. That's good. Grimgribber. Grimgribber is in us. That is to say, the remainder thereof, as well as that of tri, tri, triplet. You go upon the deed of Sir Ralph, made in the mid of the last century, precedent to that which old Simberton made over the remainder, and made it to pass to the heirs in general, by which your client comes in. And I question whether the remainder even of tri triplet is in him. But we are willing to waive that and give him a valuable consideration. But we shall not purchase what is in us forever, as Grimgriver is at the rate, as we guard against the contingent of Mr. Simberton having no son. Then we know Sir Geoffrey is the first of the collateral male line in this family yet. Sir Grimgriver is. I apprehend you very well, and your argument might be a force and we would be inclined to hear that in all its parts. But, sir, I see very plainly what you are going into. I tell you, it is as probable a contingent that Sir Geoffrey may die before Mr. Simberton, as that he may outlive him. Sir, we are not ripe for that yet, but I must say... Sir, I allow you the whole extent of that argument, but that will go no farther than as to the claimants under old Simberton. I am of the opinion that, according to the instruction of Sir Ralph, he could not dock the entail, and then create a new estate for the heirs general. Sir, I have not patience to be told that when um, uh, uh, I will allow it you, Mr. Sergeant, but there must be the word heirs forever to make such an estate as you pretend. I must be impartial though you are counsel for my side of the question. Were it not that you are so good as to allow him what he has not said, I should think it very hard you should answer him without hearing him. But, gentlemen, I believe you have both considered this matter and are firm in your different opinions. T'were better, therefore, you proceeded according to the particular sense of each of you, and gave your thoughts distinctly in writing. And do you see, sirs, pray let me have a copy of what you say in English. Why, what is it all we have been saying? In English? Oh, but I forget myself, you're a wit. But, however, to please you, sir, you shall have it, in as plain terms as the law will admit of. I would have it, sir, without delay. That, sir, the law will not admit of. The courts are sitting in Westminster, and I am this moment obliged to be at every one of them, and t'would be wrong if I should not be in the hall to attend one of them at least. The rest would take it ill else. Therefore I must leave what I have said to Mr. Sergeant's consideration, and I will digest his arguments on my part, and you shall hear from me again, sir. Exit Bramble Agreed, agreed. Mr. Bramble is very quick. He parted a little abruptly. He could not bear my argument. I pinched him to the quick about that. I saw that, for he durst not so much as hear you. I shall send to you, Mr. Sergeant, as soon as Sir Geoffrey comes to town, 
and then i hope all may be adjusted i shall be at my chambers at my usual hours exit ma'am if you please i'll now attend you to the tea-table where i shall hear from your ladyship reason and good sense after all this law and gibberish <laughs> tis a wonderful thing sir that men of professions do not study to talk the substance of what they have to say in the language of the rest of the world sure they'd find their account in it they might perhaps ma'am with people of your good sense but with the generality twould never do the vulgar would have no respect for truth and knowledge if they were exposed to naked view truth is too simple of all art bereaved since the world will why let it be deceived Exeunt. End of Act 3